I want to talk about a very specific type of inflation today, which is uh, IKEA inflation. Mm, Are you okay. familiar? I no, I'm not. Please, please tell me more. So, a, a couple of things. Do you what's what's the name of your kitchen table? Yeah, Jockmuck. How how could you forget? I, I couldn't <laughs> because it's it was such a bargain uh, back in in uh, 2011 because it was a uh, antique stain uh, kitchen table and and four comp- uh, complimentary chairs. And if I if I recall correctly, back in uh, 2011, it cost 119. I believe that's what I purchased it for. And I, I think the last time it came up on the show, uh, because I think it's come up several episodes, it was uh, up to 150. I think I yeah I had I had been in an IKEA a month or maybe it was longer ago, some period of time ago, and I, I believe that I had seen the price increase, and I, I think I had sent you a photo. Yeah, and it and it came up today, and I and I checked out the price just to kind of see where things sit, uh, and it's back. It's it's up to one hundred eighty dollars. No, I I am completely serious. I would not lie to you about about Swedish furniture. Wow. So that's that's some. I don't know if I missed uh, some Swedish uh, diplomatic negotiations or or something like this, or maybe the is this related mom, to Brexit? Do you think? I was going to say Swexit, but that doesn't make any sense. Mm, Got to be careful how you say that, too. Okay. Yeah. And yeah, it was I that just seems so shocking. I don't know if there was some type of trade deal that we lost or this uh this Malm uh addresser recall has been more expensive than than somebody might have anticipated, but it could be the it could be fears that Trump is going to win the election, and so what they're trying to do is, you know, generate as much revenue as possible between now and uh, the end times here here at the end of the year. So, so you're you're taking the Ruth Bader Ginsburg approach here. Uh, that's right. Yep. Yeah that that whole thing was interesting, but yeah up yeah six, we that we, we should bucks, come back to that in the um the political podcast. A sixty dollar price increase on a very low end kitchen table combo. Um, in 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 four and a half years, seems seems rather startling. Uh, you, you're you're the economist, or you're, sorry, you're the, you're the numbers guy, so you can probably put that into percentage. Uh, increase. I think well, me. my degree says business economics, so I don't really know if if that still counts. Oh, so that means you don't actually do anything. That's right. Yeah. 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 Um. Yeah. No. That that seems like a lot, and I, I'd say this about IKEA prices is. They're they're a little hit or miss. Some things are just incredibly well priced, but then other things, particularly like their sofas, just just not not so much. It, 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 there's IKEA is not consistently cheap. It's just certain things that are cheap. IKEA is strange in the fact that you they have they have the crap. So they have the stuff that's like just insanely poor quality but also insanely cheap which which kind of gives people which is like it's what people what lures them into ikea it's it's what lures the pokemon out of the the pokestop and <laughs> sorry i'm we, trying to be we, relevant because i haven't downloaded yeah, that thing but i have i haven't either yeah because we're old people yeah we should we're, we're we're definitely coming back to that yeah we're, we're all over the place today but th- there's like there's the junk where you can get like uh like an entire dining set for like nine dollars or or some like rusty spoons 
or like a or like my my computer desk, perfectly fine computer desk. It's it's something like it's something like sixty bucks or something. No, or but that the, bucks. but no Mickey or Mick, whatever it's called, is actually legitimately great. No, I know that. That's what I'm saying is that it's, it's no, just... but I, but I'm saying they also have um, like lines of things that are like just absolute crap, mm, and that's yes. where people think, oh, IKEA. It's just you, you can furnish your house for fifty bucks, and then they have. Like they have this butter zone or like this, this, like the part of the bell curve that's like amazing, which is like the low, the higher low end to the mid range. That's pretty good. But certain product categories, I guess they haven't fleshed it out or, or, or what have you, because there's stuff that's just expensive for like, it's, it's basically as expensive as what you'd get if you went to anywhere else. But it kind of has like kind of that weird Swedish design aesthetic. I mean, I, I will say this about, ikea that it's i look around my apartment here and so the the jock muck table that we've spoken about that's in my kitchen i've had that for almost five years my um uh what what would you call it you're kind of like bed frame or whatever do you still uh, have mom i do yeah mm-hmm. so i've had i've had that for going on six years and that that's survived a move in during that time as well, as IKEA well products. As the two. IKEA products are not designed to be disassembled and reassembled. Oh, oh, I I know, but the, but the mom bed set has um has held held in there. And then I guess my I don't know what my TV set is called. I forget the name of that, but I've had it for oh we we there was an I think there was an entire episode about this Besta. Besta, there we go. Yeah, um, I've had that for three or four years now. Also great. You know, I, I would say that th- this is likely this is likely the last living space, which I'll furnish primarily with IKEA furniture, but but it, it has served me well for the past, you know, however many years it's been now since I've been on my own. Well, can I that's interesting. So can I ask what um what store or manufacturer do you think is going to take place of IKEA? Because I can't really think of anything that that fits the bill unless you're going to go super like a uh, super luxury and and you're shopping at Crate and Barrel or like Design Within Reach or something. Well, so the the, the lady friend it has excellent interior design taste. So you know the my my next living space will will be with her. And, you know, she she also has an eye for really good deals. So she'll, she'll shop at places like a, a Pottery Barn or something like that, which certainly is more expensive than Ikea. But if you catch them on a good sale, um, that, that type of stuff actually ends up not being too bad, especially when you consider the, like, the quality of what you're getting. Hmm. Okay. I, I've, I've been converted. I, I up until... The last couple of years, I would not have said that I was someone who cared much about or had even any sort of interest in sort of like interior design or the quality of most of my furniture. But, you know, I guess as I've become an old man, uh, that those preferences have changed. Yeah, I mean, that's complicated because, well, like as you enter your 30s or you like when you get. Yeah, that makes sense because Ikea has a. It just feels it. It feels different. So like, yeah, it's crate and barrel or restoration hardware or pottery barn. Like it. It feels the materials and also the aesthetic is 
is very different. And there's a point in life where that's more important than the cost savings. Right. Well, and I've you know I've been asking you a number of uh, fashion questions lately because you're you're a very sharp dresser, and that's something that I am more and more aspiring to become. I'd been meaning to ask about that. I think you have me filed as somebody else in your contacts because I think I'm the wrong person to ask. You're Jeff, right? With a G. Oh, that's damn it! I always yeah I get I always get you guys mixed up. Um, but you know, clothes are, are very similar to what you just described about how you just, there, there's a, there's a certain sense of quality and a, a feel to that quality that's just different. Like, you know, I throughout college and my early post-college years, you know, primarily shopped well in college, it was like Ross and then, um, yeah. <laughs> and then, um, in my kind of post-college years, it was more Macy's. Which can be okay, but it hit or miss there. Macy's Much like is Ikea very prices. tricky. Yeah, we yeah we, we we can circle back to that too. Yeah. Um. But but then you know when I started shopping like Banana Republic and Lucky and Express, some of these you know like not super super high end brands, but certainly a step up from something like uh, Macy's. You know, you can you can feel and you can see the difference, and you I think you appreciate the difference once you've uh, experienced it. That's definitely true, but the 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 difficult part is is what like the scale is, because I think like IKEA has an appeal to a lot of people, like especially renter, like because we live in the Bay Area in a place where home ownership is so not even on the radar for almost everybody. The idea of an IKEA style uh, retailer where it's so cheap it seems almost disposable, which I know is incredibly wasteful in, in like a very first world type thing to feel. But yeah, I think I think that's easier with clothing because there's more uh, like upgrading from a fifteen dollar shirt on clearance at Macy's up to like a like a seventy dollar shirt at Banana Republic. Like that's Percentage-wise, it's a big increase, but it's still easy to swallow, whereas going from a $200 kitchen table at Ikea up to a $2,200 kitchen table from Crate and Barrel is is quite a different animal. Well, and that's that's what I was careful to point out with somewhere like Pottery Barn is you really got to look for... I mean, that was your advice to me even with Banana Republic is unless you're, you know, getting about 40% off, it's probably not worthwhile and that's that's true of a, a big purchase at somewhere like a, a pottery barn or a crate and barrel where you want to be getting some type of significant savings you know before you consider purchasing so i don't i don't know if the jump would necessarily be from you know 200 to 2200 hmm. but yeah uh the the swedish economy is strong yeah ev- evidently yeah. Oh, so that was the other thing. Again, I know this, this is all over the place, but um, what I was also going to bring up about Jockmock, because when I was, uh, I was looking this up, do you th- take a guess? Do you think the, the city in Sweden, Jockmock, or the product page for the kitchen table comes up first in Google? I would say the product page for the kitchen table. Yeah. At least here in the think US. That, that makes sense. Yeah. I, I always forget that Google is 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 regional or kind of tailors that stuff. That makes more sense. Well, and, I, and I'll admit that I I did not know that there was a city called Jokmuk until I I was over in Sweden last year and saw it on the map. 
spoken like a man about to have a $2,200 kitchen table. That's right. Well, but, you know, on sale. Yeah. $2,150. Um, okay. So we've, we've got some technology stuff, I think, I think to get to this week. We don't, we don't always do the, the tech stuff, you know, only what about 14 minutes into the program or whatever it's going to end up being after we edit. (laughs) Um, but I don't even, I don't even know where to start. There's, there's so much to talk about. Um, I, I guess where I'll go is maybe sort of, at least for the time being, closing out the headphone jack conversation on the iPhone 7, because that's that's continued to be a topic of conversation over the last couple of weeks. Uh, Neelai Patel was a, a guest on the most recent episode of the talk show, which I, I finally listened to this week, and I thought was was pretty good. Neelai is, eh, but you know, he was he was okay. But so you 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 had a a thing here in the Slack about you will strongly consider going with the iPhone SE for a year if what you say the iPhone six S dash S, which I thought was pretty good, the iPhone seven removes the headphone jack and doesn't really add a ton else. Do do you think that's just an emotional statement that you made in the moment, or do you think that's something you're actually going to do? No, I think that's that's completely true. Um, yeah, I mean, one, I don't think it's to be called the iPhone Seven. I'm pretty, it's it's got to be something else because if they're going to keep the form factor the same and it's only going to be minor differences, I think that's that's probably how that's going to shake out. Um, but the iPhone SE is a real like, or or just the iPhone Five S, like that whole form factor is is very very appealing. And if there aren't major differences to the new phone, and if anything, it's just a major step backwards in terms of usability uh, for just having uh, earpods or wired headphones, I think I would honestly try the the SE for a year. I think it might be difficult because I, uh, I use uh, more than 64 gigs of memory in my 128 iPhone 6S, but like the size trade-off would probably be worth it. Like even uh, almost two years in with uh, the four point seven inch screen, I don't like I my thumb still strains to reach the other side of the keyboard, and I still have to kind of like shimmy the phone up and down uh, to try to reach like um, the back button that's in the upper left. Usually, I like I've gotten better at using the uh, left uh, left to right swipe gesture, but um, no, I, th- I I think it would be an interesting experiment. See, I think the the biggest thing for me in trying to do that would be, you know, that iOS 10 is simply just not going to run as well on the SE as it will on the iPhone, whatever they're going to call it this year. But the iPhone SE has the same processor as the 6S, and like the 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 increases year over year in raw processing performance like non-graphical performance of the um of the a8 the a9 like the a series uh chips hasn't it's it's slowed down just i mean just that's just how things work so i don't think the 6s s or whatever it's going to be is going to be night and day faster where you like because yeah you're you're definitely right in the that each year the phone that's released alongside the big iOS release runs it perfectly, and all the other ones just generally run run it pretty terribly. 
Yeah, I, I don't I don't disagree that the raw performance numbers have maybe tapered off some, but and maybe I'm just hypersensitive to it. But if you hold, you know, the the previous gen iPhone next to the latest gen running the latest version of iOS, there's a pretty noticeable difference between the way the new phone and the previous gen phone run the OS. And like, you know, for me, as someone who's just like on my iPhone constantly throughout the day, you know, that that user experience, even if the difference is really small, adds up a lot. It does, but yeah, and I, and I like I might miss 3D touch a tiny bit, but I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah, I, like because I, I just really think for one, uh, like I just all day long, I'm using my phone one handed regardless of what I'm doing. And it a four inch screen is just dramatically better for that. So it's 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 a strong appeal. I think what maybe would persuade me to go that way is if these do you see these images of the supposed lightning ear pods this week? I didn't, no. So they these are these are hideous. So they look you know like regular ear pods, you know, the actual earbuds do, and then the the wire and then the inline microphone and volume control. All that looks the same as it has for what the last couple of years or however long it's been since they rolled out the redesign of the headphones. But the you know the end connector instead of having a headphone jack is is a lightning jack. But it's got this enormous like hump above the the lightning jack, which seems totally unnecessary. It looks like an Apple USB cable from 2002. Right. So I don't know if this these are just some type of weird prototypes or something, but it's, it's got to be because I, I assume it would still have kind of. Um... The flush, like it, like just like the the end to the to the standard lightning USB cable. I assume it's going to be just like that. So I, I I wouldn't judge it too much off that. Like I would judge them for the lack of compatibility and and a lot of other faults that this would have. But yeah, I, I wouldn't worry too much. Yeah, I it I I don't know. It's it's just going to be. Like I, the more I think about it, as I was, especially as I was listening to that, that latest episode of the talk show, I, the more I think about it is, I, I think everybody's just overthinking this. Like I think, I think Apple's going to get up on stage and just say, "Listen, Lightning headphones are great, or Bluetooth headphones are great. That's it." Like I, P, I guess like I don't know, especially like Gruber's had this idea that, well, like oh, they're they're only gonna Apple's only gonna do this if it really makes sense or if they have some super new innovative thing that we just haven't thought of yet. Like I, I don't think it's gonna happen. I, I think I really do think they're just gonna say, hey, Bluetooth, Bluetooth's good, Lightning's good. We got rid of the headphone jack. Well, because the thing is, like, there is physically no super good alternative here. Again, like because the way headphones work. Like the fact that it stays digital longer doesn't really make any difference whatsoever. It breaks compatibility. Like for me, like one of the things that I, I, the reason why I think like I would go for the SC if this was the only increase, because it would be like a net negative for me if I got the iPhone 6SS, because then I would have to carry around two sets of ear pods because I could no longer use the ear pods uh, with my MacBook Pro. And that's something I do all the time. 
So it just it doesn't seem to make sense. No, it it really it really doesn't. But I'm I'm skeptical that Apple's going to come out with some some reasoning that we're all going to be like, oh yeah, no, okay, that makes sense. I just I don't think we're going to get it. Yeah, and again, I I think that has to be a, a feat uh, like um like a port removal that occurs alongside some super compelling other reason to upgrade where you're just kind of like, ah, that stinks, but oh, hey, there's this. And by all accounts, like in everything Joanna Stern has reported, she seems to have like the most concrete uh, stuff about the next-gen iPhone, is that there isn't anything. A 14% bigger battery. Uh I have a, a Mophie case that adds 80%, and with my phone's current performance, that still barely gets me through a day with a run. Yeah. Uh, and, I, and I can't brave uh, a visit to the Apple store and being told, like, did I already, I, the last time I went to the Apple store and went to a Genius Bar appointment, I, I talked about it, right, where I was told that, uh, oh yeah, you just have to turn background updates off, because that's not something the phone was designed to do. Oh boy. And again, I don't want to be that like that guy. Where's, but like, uh, is it there? There's there's not some just diagnostic test they can run to determine the health of your battery. But the, I assume so. But yeah. Hmm. But where's that diagnostic test? Uh, diagnostic test going to say that? Oh yeah, his battery. Uh, his phone just shuts off randomly when it gets below twenty five percent. Hmm. So therein lies the problem. Yeah, I've I've been I've been wanting to schedule a Genius Bar appointment, but you're making me reconsider that. Because I don't want to live with it, but I also don't want to like go through the trouble of backing up my phone, hard resetting, and then trying to convince somebody that it has a problem. Mm. Because because battery life is one is just because it's so difficult to replicate. It's just one of those things where it feels like you can go back and forth and like and. Uh, right. Yeah. So you 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 run with your Mophie case. So again, I have the uh, the Mophie Juice Pack uh, Reserve, which is actually pretty thin. I think like I the last time, a couple times we met up, I think you you've you've taken a look at the case. And oh yeah, most definitely. Hmm. Okay. Because like just because what what else would I do? Yeah, I mean it's, it's a nice looking case, but it I mean it does add I don't know add some heft to it. I just I don't know it, how it does, but I'm not sure what big difference that is compared to just the naked phone because because like the length and the width like the width is the exact same pretty much and in the the length is it it's it's maybe it adds a a third or a half an inch so it's it's not much and i'm definitely i'm never going to be one of those armband people because I, I just can't i can't do it yeah i've i've been messing around with that some my sister actually recommended this like waistband thing uh, I don't think, I don't think, hmm. It, it's, it's, I've done, I've went on my last couple of runs with it. It's, it's okay, but. Well, I'm sure I, functionally it's, it's fine. I think it's just stylistically that's. No, it's, it actually goes like under your shirt. Like you can, you can't really even tell you've got it on. Um. But also for, like for me specifically, like I, it, it's, I, I enjoy having the phone in my, uh, in the palm of my hand. Cause I like seeing the statistics and kind of like comparing uh, like certain uh, root segments inside Strava and seeing how I'm doing because I don't enjoy the detail that 
is given on the Apple Watch, specifically because the Apple Watch screen seems to, I have no idea why, it seems like the screen's never on when I'm trying to look at it while I'm running. Yeah, I, I actually had that exact same thought today or yesterday where it seems like when you're just out and about, you know, or just like sitting down or walking or basically any context besides running, the kind of turn to detect and to turn the screen on actually works really, really reliably. But then when you run, it just doesn't work at all. That and also like when when I'm like, I, again, we've talked people like uh, religious listeners can can I'm sure uh, remember all these moments. But like every time I have a big issue, whenever I want to end a run, like the force touch gestures and also um, the saving the workout is really, really laggy and, and unresponsive, which. Uh, I think I've deleted a couple of runs afterward because it uh, because I hit save a bunch of times and then it thinks I hit discard because like the scrolling didn't keep up. <laughs> like there's just so many things about the workout app, which I'm I'm sure will be fixed in WatchOS three or whatever that that are just super underwhelming and and frustrating. So that's where I I like I can't just say oh I'll keep it in my, I'll keep the phone in my pocket or I'll wear uh, I'll wear an armband or something like that and just rely on the watch because. Like, and also just like when you're running media playback control, just every part of it is just, uh, is, is difficult with the watch. Yeah. That's the media playback stuff is, is not great. I know Jason Snell refers to the, the now playing, uh, glance as being one of his favorite Apple watch features currently. And I, that doesn't, that doesn't really make sense to me. So that I actually would totally agree with, um, not while using the workout functions. Well, I, okay, I, I guess that that's that's really the only time I go to use it. Because for me, like uh, whenever I'm around the house, like do, uh, doing housework, or I'm at work and I'm listening to a podcast and I'm walking to like grab something off the printer, um, I, I enjoy being able to just swipe up once and then pause a podcast or adjust the volume or skip back and forth a little bit. That rather than having to go and grab my phone is is super useful, and and that I I genuinely do enjoy a ton. It's just that there's no way to currently mix those two functions while while working out. Right. Yeah. We were talking about headphones. Um, I don't remember anymore. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Um, no. Um, so the the only other Apple thing we're only gonna have two this week, which is amazing. Nice. That I yeah I know mixing it up here. I think that means uh, <laughs> I think that means the company's doomed. Well, it's been doomed for a while. Yeah. Um, the this whole new two-step verification thing for your Apple ID. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I I've been using two-factor authentication for a long time on my Apple ID. No, no, you haven't. So again, so I'll, I'll, I'll since I got this, uh, I stole this, or I, I found out about this from an episode of Clockwise. So the deal is uh, in 2013, they introduced two-step verification. Yes, yes. Which is, that's the bat, or that's the one that's being deprecated or, or what have you. That's the one where they would uh, text you a code sometimes. Uh, it's and- not even a, it's not a text message. It's, it's like a, it, it's a notification, but it's, it's not even like, it doesn't even go through like notification center. It's just like a little bubble that pops up on your phone. Or your iPad or whatever. Sometimes. I mean, for me, it generally ended up being a text message unless it was on my iPad. I've never had it be a text message. It's always been the little notification bubble. 
Well, then what if you're signing into, like if you're restoring an iCloud backup from your phone where you can't do that? Well, it, it, it comes on on my iPad. Hmm. But yeah, but any, anyway, with that one, you had you had um, verification codes that were sent every once in a while um, with inconsistent success, at least for me. And then you had an account recovery key in case things went sideways. Right. But it looks like late last year they introduced um, not like the standard like Google Authenticator style two-factor authentication, but uh, something that bears that same name, which is a little bit different and more comprehensive. With that one, uh, there's no recovery key or anything like that. Basically, any computer running uh, OS X El Capitan, so the latest version of, uh, of Mac OS X and uh, iOS 9 or later, uh, have built-in support for a thing where you get uh, different styles of pop-ups. It, get, it generates a six-digit code on demand shows you a map of where another device is trying to log in from and asking you to approve or deny it. Um, and then as a backup, if things don't work out, it uh, sends an SMS uh, two-factor code to uh, to your phone number of record. So it seems to be a lot better, but yeah, it's confusingly named. The new one that you want to use is called two-factor authentication. The old one was called two-step authentication. And the only way to change it is to de-enroll entirely in uh from two-step authentication and then start the setup over again really yeah so i, I did it and, I, and I'm, I'm happy I, like it 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 seems better and i do like that like when whenever you're doing something like uh it it says your uh your ipad or like there's an ipad near oakland california trying to access your apple id do you approve and then it gives you a little code so yeah i i like it it's better I feel like if I go to do that, like my Apple ID is just going to become like corrupted or something, and I'm not going to be able to log into any of my devices. Eh, I did it. <laughs> so either that 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 that's a vote of uh, a vote of confidence, or uh, I'm one more person who did it successfully, which means you're close. You're more likely to fail. Yeah. Hmm. Take your pick. Are hmm. you are you a Trump or are you a Hillary? Hmm. Yeah. Sorry. It's been a rough week. You see he's up to like 27% now in the 538 forecast. Oh, I thought you meant uh, a support. I was good, like, because then that would mean like 99% Hillary. No, I haven't checked, but I don't underestimate the stupidity uh, or the the ignorance and uh, frightened nature of... We'll, we'll save it for our politics yeah. episode. Yeah, we, we will. We will. Yeah. Can I... A quick thing about 538? Sure. Uh... The elections, uh, uh, the elections podcast is fine, but one thing I'm really enjoying that came out of the uh, the live show that we saw is that guy uh, Jody has a show called What's the Point. That's very very good, and I like that one a, a heck of a lot better than the elections one. The election one's still fine, but um, yeah, What's the Point is great. It's just a it's a podcast all about statistics and data. Yeah, they ran. Uh, one of those episodes in the 538 elections podcast feed and i forget what it was about but it, it didn't really grab my attention but i really enjoy him so yeah i, I would give a couple episodes a shot hmm, okay i've been enjoying they've been running they've been calling it their kitchen table um politics series like a five-part series in the 538 elections podcast where they go through um kind of like just various social issues that folks face throughout 
their lives and they, they kind of go like in the the order of someone's life so they start with like the problems with child care and then they talk about the issues with um college affordability or, or lack thereof and they talk about health care and retirement it's it's pretty pretty interesting it's I've, I've been enjoying that and this is hosted by the the woman who was uh alongside the elections podcast people during the q a that is absolutely correct i'm just trying to I forget pull... her name yeah uh faria shadea yeah i'm probably not pronouncing that 100 percent correctly but um yeah she she's great yeah uh, since we're doing podcast recommendations, one uh, one about that uh, that do you, did you ever start listening to Marketplace or have you ever given that a shot? I haven't. No. Okay. So that's a pick of a week uh, a couple weeks ago, but they also had like a spinoff podcast called The Uncertain Hour, and that was very very good. They did uh, I believe like an eight part series uh, talking about uh, welfare reform uh, that was very very good. So Reco- that, an early pick of the week for people. Yeah. I, I've been getting back into this American life. I kind of fall mm. in and out with it, but I, I, it's mm. really, it's really good. Uh, agree to disagree. Yeah. It's gotten. What was what was the most recent one about? I, I'm I'm still a few behind. I I don't know. Yeah, it 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 becomes. Uh... The the degree to which the the story, yeah, the storytelling it seems very very hit or miss. A lot of times it's just grating and infuriating. Sometimes it's really novel or extremely fascinating, but it seems to, uh, vary more than it did in the past. But if if there's an episode that you really really liked that you want to endorse or you want to send my way, um, I'd love to get, be able to get back into it. Okay. Yeah. I think it is a sh- it is a show where not every episode's going to be for you. Yeah. All right. What else do we have? Well, so the other big tech thing, or I guess so there's so there's three big three more big tech things that I've got on the the list here, two of which I don't really want to talk about. And okay. then one one that I kind of do. Okay, let's do the ones you don't want to talk about. <laughs> okay. So I, I feel like we have to at least acknowledge we we sort of did in passing earlier but but sort of in a more formal way acknowledge the just absolute phenomena that has been pokemon go over the last week and like so we we should preface this by saying which i think we actually did earlier that you know neither of us has downloaded this app or, or played it or done anything with it but i mean it it's it's unbelievable just how this is it's everywhere it's been on a couple of the podcasts that i've listened to this week on two different occasions just today two different elevator rides there were people talking about the game and then there was another moment when i was just at my desk where i overheard so so three different times just at work today i overheard people talking about this game like it, this thing is just it's it's unbelievable the scale at which it's already reached so it's it's tricky for me cuz i like i didn't enjoy i we were not a nintendo household we weren't really much of a of a video game household like other than the original nes and then we got like a playstation 1 like many years after it had stopped being cool um so we did like pokemon is not not a thing 
that really applies to me or has like strong feelings towards my childhood. But it, it seems like it's that way for a lot of people. And I think a lot of people do like social gaming. I think that's why like Farmville and like and like words with friends, like all those games that are simple, but also have a social aspect to them perform really well. The thing for me that bugs me about this is that I think I've talked in the past about a game that I was into for about a year, which was uh, from the exact same company, Niantic, uh, which is called Ingress. And uh, nobody thought that was cool, but this is basically the exact same thing, like to the point that it's from the same company using the exact same like waypoints and uh, like a portal database like in ingress they were called portals apparently in this they're called pokey stops like it's the exact same thing but s somehow like this is the next big thing and augmented reality is here and ingress was kind of like uh nerds so that's that's the the part that's been a been a challenge for me but i totally get why it's so exciting for people and i think it's just kind of it's something that people can get swept up in like people like when there's something that they knew that they can do with their friends. Like, that's why that, like, just like, remember Draw Something that was insane for like a month and a half? I do. Same thing. I assume like all all, all the normals are going to get off this in like two weeks. Because I assume the longevity, or sorry, the, um, like the replay factor of this is going to be pretty low if you're not like a hardcore person on this. But I'm like, good for them. Yeah, I, I agree that I think it's probably a fad, but I, I, I get your comparison with Words with Friends, and I, I think to a degree that's fair, but I think what separates this is just, again, the scale. I mean, yeah, Words with Friends was popular, but not not like this. And again, that and that's that's the social aspect of it, where it's just, and also it's, it's like in the, like, it's it has like uh, an ease of like it's not complicated. It it has like an ease with 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 which people can get into it. It's easy to explain, and the the concept since uh, ingress and like augmented reality stuff never really took off with most of the people. Like it's novel enough where people are like, oh, that seems silly or out of the norm for me, but it's also not that out there. Where like, hey, let's let's try it, and I think that's why it's been so successful. And I think like that's kind of uh, catalyzed by all the people who, for whom Pokemon was like a big thing in their in in their childhood, and they think it's it's uh, like it's it, that they're just genuinely super excited about it. So I think it's just kind of the perfect storm of a lot of a lot of things. It is weird though that like Nintendo is getting so much credit for it when it's kind of maybe just their intellectual property, but otherwise they have very little to do with it. Yeah, I, I, there was a, one of the podcasts that had mentioned it went kind of into the, the business side of it, which is, you're right, it's, so it's Nintendo's IP, and then they also, I guess, are at least a small investor in the company that uh, developed it. Yeah. So, but yeah, so their their stock price is up, I forget what the percentage is, but it's it's, it's been billions of dollars added to their market cap. Which you know is is probably a mix of just genuine confusion that people you know thinking that Nintendo came out with this, but then I think there also probably are some investors looking at this saying, well, this is a sign that when Nintendo finally pivots to mobile, which is 
it's not a matter of f if it's when and i and i know that they've you know they've they've talked that they're officially doing mobile stuff but i i mean like leaning all the way into it where it's you know the new mario games coming out on ios like that that's going to happen someday but it's going to ha- but it's going to happen too late though i don't think so no i th- i don't i don't think so i think a lot of these these nintendo properties which to a degree pokemon go has been showing these these properties are timeless i mean i I think Mario and like Zelda, maybe to a slightly lesser degree, these are properties that are akin to like Mickey Mouse. Like these are properties that aren't going to go away in the next even decade or or 20 years. But I think that Nintendo is squandering, like they're they're waiting far too long because they're trying to prop up their hardware business. Oh, I, I don't I don't disagree. I I think they should already be leaning all the way into the, the mobile stuff, but But the thing is I don't think they're gonna they're gonna I don't think they're gonna make the change that they need fast enough. I think because I think they're so married to the idea that they're gonna be able to sell games for like forty to sixty dollars a piece that they're they're trying that they're clinging to the idea that their intellectual property is worth so much that they're going to go to a point where when they finally do it, it's going to be in a half-assed way where it doesn't effectively use it. And it will, like, they'll be vindicated and saying, look, you see, like, it, it, it turned out like it, it was a waste of time for us to do this. Hmm. Like, it's it's challenging because you know their heart's not in it because they think that like I assume that they really dislike the idea of just like you have like this glass rectangle and everything's virtual on screen. I think like Nintendo has always kind of put a lot of thought into like the controller and kind of just the entire gaming experience. I mean, they tried some in- interesting stuff with like the Wii and then there's kind of that weird Wii U thing. I, I think they're very married to the idea that that's an integral part of gaming and that the characters and the intellectual property that they have is is perhaps secondary and i think that's what kind of leads them to be so half-assed about all this i don't know i'm hopeful kind of but not really anyway i I don't have much else to add with the the pokemon go stuff other than it's just i cannot believe (laughs) how popular it's become so quickly it's it's pretty incredible uh do you think you're gonna give in or are you just gonna let the fad die and, and skip it yeah, no, I think I think I will. I think I will try it just to see what it is, but I, I don't think it's going to be something I get into. Yeah, I will say that more and more. Like I also I've noticed more and more that friends and just people around me have been using Snapchat, and I I still haven't ever downloaded it or, or used it. I'm, I I guess I tried it on a friend's phone a while ago, but outside of that, never have really used it. So I got to say, between the Pokemon Go stuff and like that, it's it. I really am starting to feel like the old, you know, old man. So yeah, it's it's okay because you are, and 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 that's and that's totally okay, because like I've tried Snapchat, like I have Snapchat installed on my phone, and and it's it's and it's absolutely terrible. It's it's a UI nightmare. It makes absolutely no sense to me. And I, I use it to sometimes follow the giants and this one corgi I like, and it's <laughs> super challenging to use. And I don't get it. Like you can send snaps to people that disappear and sometimes don't disappear, except people can pay to see it again. You can have your own, like your story that you publish to somebody that you, they get to see for 24 hours. 
which maybe they can review. And then, oh, apparently Comedy Central and CNN have Snapchat channels, which are alongside stories, which maybe are like snaps. And I have like the whole thing makes absolutely no sense to me. And I don't understand how young people like parse all this because they're trying like Snapchat is weird in the sense that like they're trying to be absolutely everything. Like they're like short form content from like major video providers alongside like disappearing sexts. Like I, I don't, I don't get it. I don't fault you for not getting it, but I'm going to, I'm going to take the victory that you're on Instagram and I think you should just stick with that. Yeah. I, I'm still really enjoying the Instagram stuff. Cause here's the thing on Instagram, the, 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 the golden retrievers don't disappear. No, they're great. No, they, they, they definitely don't disappear. In fact, there's just more and more of them mm-hmm. as I find, you know, more accounts to follow. Yep. Just, yeah. That explore tab. It's the best. Oh, it's, it's real good. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, so then I guess that leaves us with one more story that I, I don't really necessarily want to talk a ton about, but I feel like we have to at least go into it a little bit, which is the, the Tesla autopilot stuff. Mm-hmm. So there was the first recorded fatal accident, or maybe even first accident of any kind. Uh, no, no, there, there, there have been a few. Okay. Well, so first fatal accident where the autopilot of a Tesla was engaged at the time of the accident. And, you know, the, the, the initial story when it came out, you know, made it sound like, well, it was a situation where, you know, a, a, a truck kind of quickly came in front of another car. The lighting was such that the front sensors on the Tesla didn't recognize it. It kind of made it sound like sort of a, a freak accident that just, you know, maybe could happen with, with, with autopilot. But it later came out that, and I don't know if this has been 100% confirmed, but it seems like it's cl- at least close to being confirmed that the driver was watching a movie at the time that this had happened. And it's highly possible that the situation could have been manually avoided had the driver been engaged like you're supposed to be when, when autopilot's enabled. Um, but I guess, you know, like my perspective on it, which is really the only thing that I have to add to, to all this is regardless of what the driver was doing and i i, I do think it, it changes the story a lot if the driver was in fact watching a movie but even if he wasn't and even if this was just a freak accident that you know the autopilot didn't correctly avoid it, it's very clear that autonomous driving is way 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 safer than driving as we know it today and this one accident if anything confirms that just given how long it's been before the first accident has 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 occurred so that that's very true and that's much needed perspective but i think the problem with a lot of like so there there's multiple problems with this i think most of them lie with tesla but the the issue is like that the media uh just latched onto this and tried to use it as like this uh condemnation of uh, we're going too quickly into uh, self-driving or uh, autonomous uh, vehicle technology and all this kind of stuff and and must be stopped and it's it's unproven and all this kind of stuff. And I think most of the issue is specifically just with Tesla and the way that the company has this um, hubris problem where 
every every part of it is just like the absolute like they they frame it as being like the absolute best in the world and it's it's this this and this and that carries into the way that they name and frame products like what does the the name autopilot suggest to you it's it's a bad name there's no no doubt about that because like if they called it like like what is like audi or like bmw call like stuff like if they just said like uh like highly engaged cruise control or like some it's like something like that that honestly would be fine because autopilot makes it sound like you can check out and just be playing pokemon go in in the in the driver's seat of your tesla and it's going to drive for you and it'll maybe notify you if like if you need to help it park or do something like because like uh commercial airliners like autopilot means like the the pilots are involved in like extreme turbulence and takeoff and landing and that's it so it's it's a terrible name and then tesla from like a, a pr and marketing perspective like they they always respond to to crises or like any incidents with their car with with such like uh coldness and disdain for anybody who isn't like patting themselves like applauding them for every success they have like is is that Am I projecting or or misinterpreting that? No, I I, I completely agree. Like it's it's just that whole thing where it's just like like the the entire persona of Tesla just seems kind of like just extreme douchebaggery. And I know I can't think of a better word for it, but that's that's it. And and that that's that's difficult. And also, like specifically, like the only like technical complaint I have is like, have you seen any videos or done any research on like how the uh, Google autonomous car project goes? Uh, specifically what? Like about how the actual technology works? Oh no, not not really. Just just like more high level demonstration videos. So I mean, like Google like is is very uh invested in like uh lidar and other technologies that like. Take, get like an entire um, view of the road and all your surroundings and all this kind of stuff to make sure that like their networked cars and all this stuff is going gonna, is gonna to work really well. And that's why they're putting a lot of effort into making sure that uh, this is as good as it possibly can be. Whereas Tesla is using uh, a couple of uh, front facing cameras, something in, in like the side mirrors and like the park distance uh, sensors. And they're calling that a complete autonomous driving solution. But they're they're not though the, the the naming is the name is misleading. But outside of that, Tesla's from what I've seen very clear about what autopilot does and doesn't do. But I'm not sure about that because they they keep adding all these new features to it and they keep just slapping the beta label on it like it's like it's just uh, a software that you run on your Mac. But they and Musk has even said this in 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 like interviews and press conferences is that he thinks like the current solution of sensors and all that kind of stuff is good enough and that and that lidar and that kind of stuff is unnecessary when that's the type of thing that would have avoided a situation like this like i think tesla again like just tries to over overstate what they can reasonably do and and that's and that's that's problematic. Like they're they're taking shortcuts with this because ultimately, like I wouldn't I don't think that you'd ever say that Tesla is not trying to get to the point where they have entirely self-driving vehicles. And they've stated they think that the most effective technology is not something they're interested in. And they're just going to they're going to cheap out and just do it with uh, with uh, 
parking sensors and a couple of cameras. So I don't know that like that's just I think Tesla themselves in general need to to reevaluate how they how they approach this kind of stuff, both from a technology perspective and also from a PR perspective. Yeah. Okay. That's uh, that's that's fair. But the, also the media needs to step way back because yeah, to your point, it's the fact that like if if like if I had to trust even like even though what I think is Tesla's like kind of flawed or or ex, uh, exceptionally basic uh, technology here. I would generally much uh, prefer that to a freeway full of people uh, on 101 uh, texting while driving and, and drinking coffee and catching Pokemon and stuff. Uh, again, I, like if you just look to the right of you whenever you're driving, like somebody's doing something. I would much prefer it be limited technology that's that's put out by a company with with uh, too much confidence in itself. Yeah, I I agree with that. Yeah, like if like, yeah, I don't like going into statistics like uh, or like of saying that. Well, this this uh, method of driving seems to kill fewer people per million miles driven. Like that's not an effective argument technique, but in a lot of ways, it kind of is. I mean, I I think it is. I mean, it's it, it, putting statistics around a tragic incident like this always comes across as callous and in some ways i would say unfairly but in any way it sort of just kind of get makes people angry and not, not really want to follow the argument but but in a lot of ways that's exactly what tesla should be pointing out is that you know these types of accidents they happen today and in fact they happen at a much higher rate today than they would with autonomous vehicles Exactly. And if you, if, if, uh, little listeners will reflect back, I mean, maybe, uh, 15 episodes ago, they can listen to our self-driving car episode where, uh, I think this is going to happen far sooner than Ryan does, but are you, are, has this, are you coming around to the idea? Like, I don't think you you were ever against autonomous vehicles, but I remember you had it being at a very long time scale. Has your, has, have things changed at all? No. And I, I think this accident, um, makes me believe further in what I said during that episode, which is the technology is not the problem. The the technology, I don't know if it's, if it's there, but it's, it's close to being there, but it's, it's going to be all, it's going to be all this social and government stuff. That's going to just get bogged this whole thing down. I don't think so. I think my, I think my, whatever I said, five to seven years, probably 10 years for wide adoption, totally on track. Hmm. Okay. All right. What was the one thing you said you did want to talk about? So the one thing I did want to talk about is Prime Day, Amazon Prime Day. Ugh. Well, oh, actually, so yeah, to to Prime Day, but uh, big thumbs up and and wanting to talk about what you purchased on Prime Day. Yeah. Well, so I I came into Prime Day with a a very clear objective. So and I I think I actually when I was going back and looking at the Slack prepping for tonight i had actually i I mentioned this in the slack before prime day which was the one thing i was hoping for was a a good deal on the echo and sure enough that's exactly what we got we got 50 bucks off the echo which i think was like the best deal they've ever done or at least close to it um and so i you know kind of immediately bought that 
And then, you know, I, I thought like, well, you know, uh, I could I could play around with like the, the music stuff and all that. But like the thing that I am really interested with with Alexa is the the home automation stuff, which, you know, I've being in a studio apartment, I will be the first to raise my hand and say a lot of this stuff is completely silly for me to have. But I'm, I'm still interested in it just from kind of a geek perspective. And so I thought, well, I'll just I'll look at the, you know, the Philips Hue lights just because I knew that those were compatible. I'll just I'll see if, you know, see if those are on any kind of special. And sure enough, Amazon was doing like a huge compatible with Alexa sale on Prime Day. And the Philips Hue lights were pretty significantly discounted. And so I bought the starter kit, which is the hub and two lights and then a extension pack of three lights. Um, and th- those were available on like same day free shipping. So I, g- I got those yesterday um, and then the the Echo doesn't come until tomorrow. So I don't have anything to say about that yet. But I did set up one of these Philips Hue lights last night and I've just been using it with the Philips Hue app and then with another HomeKit app that I downloaded. And so the the light itself is really, really cool like being able to turn a light on and off with your phone and then particularly I think with your voice with using Siri is there's just there's a there's a there's an appeal to it that's really cool and I I could see you know one day if I hopefully have a a larger home I could see where that stuff would really start to get interesting but even even in my relatively small space here there's there's something to that that's kind of awesome um Although I will say, and I don't, I don't know how much you want to get into this now, but I'm, I'm not. My enthusiasm is not quite there with uh, HomeKit itself. Well, yeah, HomeKit's terrible. <laughs> Which you know, I, I think one, once I get the Echo and I kind of start using that, and maybe some of this stuff at least isn't as apparent. But like, so the the example last night was I was I was setting up, you know, the the light initially with the Philips Hue app, which also itself is not not particularly great. But, you know, I, I was kind of confused about what it meant to have just an individual light versus having a light be part of a room. Like th- that, that whole thing was, <laughs> you know, and like I, I'm in a studio apartment. I don't really have like rooms, you know, like literally, I think literally all five lights I have are going to be like in the same, like in air quotes room, you know, Um but so anyway, so I, you know, I named, I named my, uh, I, I put a light next to my bed. And so I named it like bedside light and I like, I, I put it in a room, but, or I, I guess like maybe like I didn't put it in a room, but then like, I realized that like, it was easier to, to put it, if you had it in a room anyway, like I, so I moved it from being not in a room into a room but i named the room also bedside light which completely <laughs> which which completely freaked siri out of course and then it would it siri basically just would no longer control the light once i did that saying and it gave me like an error saying like that name's already in use or whatever and so i i did a google search on the error message that the hue application was generating and the answer came up right away which was yeah it's it's just just HomeKit being terrible, and because in iOS nine there's really no UI to to interface with all that stuff, I had to download a third party app called Home. Isn't that fifteen dollars? It is fifteen dollars. Ah, oh, uh, you've got to get Humote. 
Well, I don't know if Humoat would have been, a- been able to solve this problem because what Wait, I had well, to do... Were, were you not able to... So you mean using the Philips Hue app, it was so far gone that you couldn't even edit it? Well, yeah. So the thing is, is that once... Once in this is the forum thread that I had found. Once once a name has been assigned to HomeKit, there's no native way in iOS nine to go into the HomeKit table or like they even call it like home data when you like grant permission to the Philips Hue app. So I guess like the home data. There's no there's no user facing way to get into that stuff. Which is again, this is all changing in iOS ten. This is this is like what they talked about, but in iOS 9, there's no way to get to that stuff. And so what I had to do was go into HomeKit and delete that bedside light reference. And there, were, there was no way to do that in the Philips Hue app. So that, yeah, so I, so I spent $15 on this. So did, did that negate almost all the savings from Prime Day? <laughs> no, 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 no. I think it did. No, the was it the, wasn't it just like an extra twenty five percent off or something because it was Prime Day and it cost eighty dollars. So isn't it almost that? No, the lights the lights were were on some kind of discount and then there was an extra like twenty five percent on top of that. Don't make me feel bad about my purchase. I don't appreciate no no that. I I no I want you to feel great about your Philips Hue <laughs> light purchase, but ah oh, that because this is why this is not the future because HomeKit. Sorry, I, I got a lot of complaining to do about this. HomeKit is trying to like all this home automation stuff like there's like this looming format war and apple is is just by being so demanding about what home kit is and how vague and half-assedly they've approached it is is holding back the smart home space like by years and 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 it's insane that like it they've they've promised that it was going to be a thing for like the past two uh two wwdc's Sorry, excluding this one where it might actually happen this time, but probably not. And like in order, like, so for example, like I have the um, the Philips Hue Generation 1 bulbs, uh, which has a different type of bridge, which because it doesn't have a, a special serial number embedded in it that's issued by Apple, it won't work with Siri. Yeah, well, that that was, yeah, that was another weird thing. So I, I have the second generation lights. And so as part of the Siri slash HomeKit setup, you have to like either take a picture of or enter this this HomeKit code. That is like literally a- mandated by Apple and only works with Apple devices, which it, it, that's crazy. Yeah, that 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 part was really, really weird. Because I, I had a second gen set of Philips Hue lights, but uh, if for many reasons, uh, I, I went back to the old ones. But like that that's crazy and th- and that and that's super annoying and like while I understand that the Philips Hue app itself isn't great like like there there's a lot of like duplicate verbiage and stuff like of of what of what lights uh light names are and room names and what are scenes and what are moods and all this kind of stuff like it's it's a bit uh um vague and un- unintuitive but other apps like like Home or like Humo which is my favorite um has a nice little uh, today center or notification center widget, and it's it's got a great watch app and that kind of stuff. So like that's better. But HomeKit on on its own is just a big big mess and a big problem because Apple thinks that they get to be the center of your universe. And what I like is that uh, the Amazon Echo proves that it doesn't need to because you know what? Talking to an always on speaker that responds extremely respond uh, that like very quickly is way better 
because Hey Siri and all that kind of stuff doesn't work well most of the time. And touching your phone is actually not the best way to to control the lights. Like for me, I really enjoy the Hue lights that they can be scheduled to like gradually come on like at, at sunrise or at any predetermined time. And that's kind of nice. So generally, I'm only uh, talking to Alexa for that type of thing in the evenings. But that's a much more intuitive and better way to do it. And until Apple gets their heads out of their butt or comes out with their own like Alexa competitor, that's going to be the way that this stuff goes. And Amazon is way more willing to work with everybody on making the smart home a thing. And they aren't being as demanding as Apple. So super excited for you to get your Echo and see how well it can work. And you'll probably never use Siri to do anything ever again. Yeah, I I, I completely expect that to be the case where, you know, I, I wanted just to get, to get the light set up last night just because I wanted to see it. But I fully expected that the native Apple stuff was not going to be great. And it it's really, really not great. Like and, and I'm sure iOS 10 will be an improvement, sort of, but really all it looks like is that it's going to obviate the need for you to have spent $15 on that home app. But other than that, it's still probably going to be pretty crappy. Yeah. And that's a bummer because, like, yeah, all this smart home stuff is super fragmented right now, and that's in large part due to Apple. So... But Alexa is going to be great for you, and I'm, and I'm super excited. Let me know how it goes. Uh, remember that you need to install skills to it. it like the, the setup process and the iOS app is pretty, it leaves a lot to be desired. But once once you have it down, it's it's pretty good. So just make sure you install uh, the Jeopardy skill. That's 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 a fun one. But yeah, and, and that improvement of being able to select uh, Pandora and Spotify as like your preferred music sources is fantastic. So yeah, have fun. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I've got I've got the exact spot picked out for it. It's gonna be gonna be good. Yeah. Um, one thing the the last thing I'll say on the Philips Hue um lights and that this is it sounds like a small thing, but these are the types of things that I just it just amazes me that nobody thinks about this stuff when they when they go through the design process, which is so that you know there's this hub right that you have to connect via Ethernet mm-hmm. to to have the lights work, which fine it makes sense. But the the hub's got at least this version two. I don't know what the version one looks like. I assume it's the same. It's got like three really bright LED lights and the little like button that's on it that you have to then, you know, press to sync with your phone and stuff. Also has like a ring around it, which lights up. So, you know, like when I, I just, I put it on my desk last night as I was setting it up and then you know, went to bed and sure, sure enough, when I turn off all the lights, like this stupid hub thing is like lighting up the entire room. And so I had to like, tonight I had to go and like put it like in a cabinet, which I have a switch, um, connect or inside of. So it's just like, why, why does that thing have to have lights or like, there should be a way to turn them off or something. Cause like, you know, that people are just going to have this like out in their room. Uh, yes and no. I mean, uh, that, that, that's a tricky one because for me, like that just gets thrown in the server closet. And like, I assume like in the thing is like, because you touch it so rarely, you're only using it to ever authorize another, uh, Hue remote. Um, yeah, I'm not sure that's such a big deal, but I mean, you'll just probably get in the habit. Like I, I just always keep a, a roll of blue painter's tape 
nearby, and that just gets used to cover up annoying yeah, uh, lights no, on I everything. Know. I like I do that on my HDMI switch. I've I've got the I've got the tape over that, but um, I don't know. Like I don't think like n- not everybody's a nerd like us and has a server closet or a cabinet that that has Ethernet ports readily available. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's tricky, and people will eventually figure that out. Yeah, but yeah, no, that that's a fair point. Um, what is uh, so what what do you like about them? Do you do you find the dimming nice? Have you set up the uh, like automatic turn on in the morning? The um the the dimming is great. The range of the amount of light that you can get is kind of incredible. Um. And I don't know, like, the, like there isn't a, there is a certain appeal of so, like, when I walk into the room here, the light that I normally turn on is at the far end of the room that I that I come into, and just like being able to turn the light on either with you know my phone or with Siri or soon Alexa, like, is really neat and really convenient. I yeah, I think lighting is probably the single simplest and most effective smart home uh, smart home like component. And it makes the most sense. So it's a good place to start. I think a, a, th- a thermostat's probably right up there, but I mean, neither of us has an experience with that yet. It's Northern California. It's perfect all the time. <laughs> That's right. Um, I haven't tried the scheduling stuff. I mean, the thing with my apartment is I've got like four huge windows right right in this room. So it already it gets it's pretty bright in the morning. So I don't, the, the light's not going to really help. Is there like a, like a reverse thing you can do in the evening where like it slowly dims. Uh yes. And and you can also make it uh be where like it just automatically turns on like at five o'clock when like you're expected to be home or whatever. And you can do stuff like that. No, like you can schedule all this kind of stuff or you can also uh use uh, IFTTT and and there's some fun there's some good recipes that work with Hue lights. Hmm. So you mess around with it, it, it it's fun. Yeah, I think that's that's what I'm excited about is not what I not my initial impression, you know, these last 24 hours, but like what I'm going to learn about it over time. And the um what was the last thing? Uh, I lost it. That's fine. But um and I'm really excited about Alexa. The 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 Echo stuff I think is now that I've actually finally pulled the trigger on it, I'm I'm pretty excited about it. Glad you came around. Yeah. All right. Well, let's um, let's get to uh, let's get to some pick of the weeks, <laughs> picks of the week. Jeez. Yeah. They, that's that's a sign that it's time. And uh, paper cuts if you got them. Yeah. Go for it. Okay. Well, I think um, of one. Oh. <laughs> um. So my. Uh, my pick of the week is going to be uh, an app that was actually it was actually advertised on the Bill Simmons podcast of all places. Uh and it's called Headspace. Have you have you heard of this? Is this like a meditation training app? It is, which sounds kind of, you know, hoity-toity or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um but it's it's a really it's it's really great. Like it just the the way the app is set up, the way that it it kind of gets you introduced to the idea of it's it's more focused on 
mindfulness exercises, not not really even so much like just meditation as you would necessarily think about it. It's more about just training you to be more mindful. And it's it's hard to talk about this stuff without again sounding kind of you know whatever about it. But it's I, I've I've really enjoyed it. I, I've had it for about the last week, and I've I've found it to be just I don't know re- relaxing, I guess. Um, and I just I, the, the app looks great. The UI is really nice. The the lessons themselves are the the production on them is really high. Um, I I like it. I like it a lot. Well, good. Yeah, I've tried. Um, yeah, I bought a couple of those in the past, but they've 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 never stuck. But I yeah, cool. Is 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 that a premium subscription thing? Like that has a, that has a monthly thing, right? It's yeah, it's not cheap. It's you know, it's if you pay by the month, I think it's twelve dollars a month, and then if you buy an annual subscription, it ends up being nine dollars a month or something like that. So it's you know, it's not not super cheap, but also not not super expensive. Yeah. If you stick with it. Well, I hope it works out for you. Yeah, I mean it's been a week, so we'll we'll see if it if it sticks, but so far so far I like it. Cool. And I think my pick of the week will be uh an iOS game, uh Super Stickman Golf 3. Ooh, I've been a big yes. fan of the of the the previous two versions. I've uh knocked out about 12 of the courses so far. Uh because I'm always looking for games that just kind of like help that are interesting enough that like that they're not super involved, but they're also not super simplistic. And this uh, fits the bill for me. And uh, new with uh, the version three is that it actually synch- uh, synchronizes your progress without using Game Center uh, across your iPad and iPhone. Just fantastic. Well, very good. Yeah. And yeah, and I, I got no... Uh, Actually, hold on. I, uh, I'm, I have plenty to be angry about, but I don't have a, don't have a um, one right off the bat for you. But if you if you have a complaint, feel free. Yeah, I've I've got one for you. So th- this is this is oh, this is the, it's such an annoying little thing at 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 work. Usually, this is where this comes up, which are people who are, and this is the big caveat. So I, I'm I'm talking about people who are specifically physically able to there there are many valid use cases where this doesn't apply but for people who are physically able to who choose to use the elevator instead of the stairs to go up or down oh come on two or few flight stories no it's four well okay that yeah i i i i would i would be willing to take it that far but i'm i'm going to be lenient and even just say two like it it just drives me crazy like it, it i just i i just can't even fathom why you would choose to to do that yeah no that's okay you, you mm. that's the spirit of this cat of this of this uh section i think no it is because it's it because it, it, it's it's monsters that do this yeah, because it, it yeah like i i am not like some fitness nut or anything like that but 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 if it's four full, if it's four floors or fewer, you use the stairs unless for some reason you're not physically able to, and that's completely fine. And that's why that's why elevators exist. Elevators exist for hundred story sky, uh, skyscrapers and people who are unable to use stairs or right. like a freight elevator. Otherwise, use the stairs. It's quicker 
and just you don't you don't need to stand for 25 seconds waiting for an elevator to open to go two stories you don't need to do it that's inconsiderate stop doing it and if you're on an escalator stand to the right <laughs> oh yeah that's oh that, that could that could be a whole other one and then if you're anywhere else keep moving and get out of the way right <laughs> oh man no because that, oh, that, that that's that's a big one because i just i do not get it oh and it, it's it's uh i mean so i i'm on the the top floor of the, of the building that i'm in and so you know and uh, you know we're, we're like we're in a couple of different towers so yeah there's a lot of going up and down for me and it's just so hold on does this does this manifest itself uh, that like you're you're going to work in the morning and you're going up to floor nine and you see people also waiting for the elevator, except they press two immediately. Oh, yes, yes, that yes, that happens almost every morning. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm not sorry. I'm not sorry for you. I'm, I'm pleased and proud of your restraint. I'll, I'll, I will take, I will take this a step further. You know what else happens a ton, which I think is even worse, which is I, I'm on nine and I, I get in to go down to the lobby. And someone comes in and they press eight. They're Wait, going, they're going, going down? Down, yes, yes. They're going down one flight of, uh, of one story. Are, are the stairs far away? No, that, that's, so the, the, this, is the, this is the icing on the cake, is that no matter where you're sitting on the, the ninth floor where I am, no matter where, there, there'd be, I don't think there's any exception to this. You you ha- you you have to walk by one of the stair. There's two stairwells. You have to walk by one of those stairwells to get to the little, the area where the elevator is. So you're you're walking further than you would have to if you just took the stairs. So you are making a very very conscious decision to not use the stairs and to use the elevator instead. And again, I, I stress I stress this vigorously that if I, I get for folks who are not physically able to to do this then i am a thousand percent supportive of using the elevator but you have a decent you have a decent read on people and you know that most people who are doing this are in the wrong yeah yeah totally acceptable yeah it's it's oh it's it's oh it's it's so frustrating all right well congratulations for finding the true spirit of this of this of <laughs> yeah. this topic because or of this uh segment because oh god all right i'll work on i'll work on something big for next week okay all right and then to, to round this out i will apologize to listeners for uh what is probably different and uh worse audio quality than most weeks it'll be a little bit uh transitional for the next couple of weeks they don't they don't mind that they they just they're happy that that it shows out they they don't they don't mind the audio quality if you were if you were calling in using your uh, your iPhone SE, they they wouldn't care. You have no idea how much more convenient this would be to to do on the drive home uh, <laughs> over Bluetooth. So you know what, I might do that next week, and it'll sound like it'll say it'll sound like a nineteen eighty nine uh, C span interview. But that might be I don't know that might be kind of fun. You'd hear a lot of swearing because it's <laughs> people are very inconsiderate. I'm gonna put I'm gonna put this pressure out there on you publicly too that the in person show it should happen at some point. Yeah, let me know when you're free. Okay. Yeah, unless we should make that. I don't I don't know how that would work from like an audio configuration perspective. I don't even know if we have the right hardware for that. But because I'm assuming I'm assuming that we can't just call each other on Skype when we're sitting next to each other. No, I, I assume we can. 
I, I think there's a delay. I don't think that would work. I'm wearing noise canceling headphones. I I don't. I feel like we'll figure it out. Yeah, I feel like there's gonna have to be. What, once uh, you set up your Alexa, uh, ask her how to do it. Okay. And, and you'll figure it out. <laughs> Just I'll ask her what what do I need to buy on Amazon to make this happen, and she'll happily ship it to me in two days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Until we figure that out. All right.